Welcome to another episode of the No Feeding Tubes show. I'm your host, Yvonne McLaren, and I'm here to help you live your best food life following or during head and neck cancer treatment. Thanks for listening. This is a lived experience that I'm sharing with you, and I think this journey is much better shared. So grab your favourite beverage or your walking shoes and let's get started. I've been listening to a podcast called the Swallow Your Pride podcast, which is hosted by a speech-language pathologist called Teresa Richard. I found a really interesting episode the other day, and she was interviewing uh, a woman called Brittany Krekela, and Brittany had some really interesting things to say. She was doing some research around some of the mechanics, the physical mechanics, if you like, of swallowing. And uh, she made a really interesting comment or statement and she said, it's not about the cookbook, it's about the recipe. And that really resonated with me. I went back a couple of times to replay that one little section that she spoke to It's about the cookbook, it's not about the recipe. And she was referring to the combination of multiple approaches to complex problems with swallowing. And if, like me, you've had the radiation, the chemo and the surgery and you've had lymph nodes removed and tongue removed and tumours removed, in that small, very delicate area, you know too well how finite things are with um, food textures and and flavours. And so it was really interesting to me to hear uh, Brittany speaking like that. And it's the first time I've really heard one of the medical team uh, talk like that. And it was very much in line with the way that I thought following my treatment with head and neck cancer, uh, eating, following all the treatment. So I want to talk about three areas that I think fit into that recipe process, if you like, as opposed to the cookbook. The cookbook is about the the whole process uh, and the recipes are all the little things that I did and I know others do to make that journey back to swallowing and eating your best food life possible. And when I talk about the conclusion here, I'll go into a bit more detail. But one of the things that really bothers me is this uh, process of social media where people are throwing ideas and thoughts out there. And I think that's really dangerous. I think you need to, as a patient particularly have a really full understanding of all the components of your recipe and it's like cooking. If you're new to cooking and you want to create a new dish and it's one of the things that you're taught in college, you always, always, always read the recipe through from start to finish. Reading the recipe through from start to finish means that you get an overall snapshot 
of the things that you need to be successful in creating that dish. And I think that applies to this whole head and neck cancer treatment process when you're trying to get back to eating your best food life again. So, you know, I, they are physical and mental constraints that you need to take into account. And like the ingredients in a, in a recipe, I think you can apply these ingredients to the process of your rehabilitation, if you like, to getting back to oral eating. And the first thing, uh, and seems to be the most prevalent amongst all of us, is trismus and dry mouth. And they're, in my experience, were the two things that firstly created barriers for me in eating. One, I couldn't open my mouth uh, enough to get a food utensil with food on it in there, let alone one finger. Uh, And that trismus, that came as a real shock to me. I didn't... No one told me that... By the way, you're likely to experience this. And when it came and when it happened, it was frightening. You know, it was like, wow, am I ever going to be able to open my mouth again? And I talk about trismus uh, quite specifically in another episode on uh, one of my Facebook uh, videos. But, uh, you know, in the end, I devised my own jaw crank if you like and I used um, those wooden tongue depressors that they use in clinical settings and I used I measured my mouth opening what it should be and if you don't know how to do that you basically most adults should be able to put three fingers uh, vertically in their mouth between their teeth so you should be able to fit three fingers height-wise in your mouth. So I measured my three fingers and um, created a stack of tongue depressors, wrapped a rubber band around it, put numbers on it, and set myself the task using a timer on my phone to basically jack my mouth open. And I'm, I'm not going to pretend it didn't hurt. It was one of the most painful things I've ever done in my life. And but I persevered with it and I did it every day and I kept making sure that I had that mobility in my jaw. Um, and eventually, because if you don't have that, you have a tendency not to eat. That trismus affects your not only your mouth opening, right, but your ability to chew. Um, and it puts you off wanting to try to put any sort of food on a utensil and pop it in your mouth. So that was the first thing that I noted and managed and I set myself up a task of every day, twice or three times a day. I think it was twice a day in the end I settled on. Uh, I sat there and I held my mouth open with that jack. Uh, And I think on my YouTube channel there's a a video of me actually doing it and and I'm crying because it the pain was extraordinary and I will say you have to work with your medical team to make sure that that pain is under control or at least you're being medicated for it before you try any of this I I think it would be torture without having some pain um, preventative measures in place so work with your speech language pathologist on that and 
work on your trismus because the other beautiful side effect is dry mouth. And although I, I deem myself somewhat lucky in that I do suffer dry mouth, but I suspect it could be a lot worse than what it actually is. So, and you know, dry mouth, you manage that with um, all those products that are out there, xylomelts and uh, the appropriate toothpaste and mouthwashes that lubricate. Those xylomelts I found were really good. They're like a little button uh, tab that you put on your gum. And they had just been launched when I was going through this. So I was a guinea pig on those, but I, I really couldn't, um, what's the word, support using those enough. Uh, and obviously drinking water constantly and um, ensuring that you've always got water with you and that you're staying hydrated. So they were the two, you know, they were physical issues, but equally they became mental issues and constraints as well. So that's about the time I started thinking, okay, this is not just a physical process. And I'll preface this by saying I've been a fairly active and physical person my entire life. I've always done yoga. I've always run or walked or bushwalked or hiked or surfed or swum or lifted weights or kickboxed. I've always been physically active. Uh, I danced in my earlier years. I was a ballet dancer when I was a little girl and that went through till I was about 13, I think, from memory. So that commitment to uh, practice and keep going and trying and, and regulated exercise was inbuilt in me and it's really important, I think, and it helped me in this journey enormously get through these difficult physical and mental times. So if you're not an exerciser, now's the time to start thinking about that. And even if you just commit to walking every day somewhere, you'd be amazed at how much that helps. Because as we know, although there are physical barriers in this treatment, there is an awful lot of mental in it as well and by that I mean I think it's very very easy to become incredibly depressed with this whole scenario and depending on what you're going through uh, I, I think it's paramount that your mental health is as of equal importance as your physical capabilities I don't think that's addressed enough in this process I think it is a huge part of our healing and I think it's a really large part of getting through the treatment first and foremostly and then the second part is then getting on with the process of learning to swallow again or starting to follow and work out what your new eating life is going to be like and then the third bit is actually getting on and doing that and then having a life again in terms of whatever that might look like now. So that was the second point that I, I think is that physical and mental constraints of eating. Uh, keep a check on depression, anxiety, fear and failure. 
those things all come part and parcel of your treatment journey. Well, they certainly did in my experience. And they're areas that are not addressed for patients. And I think it's super important for those areas to be depressed. And how I managed that was by keeping my physical activity up. I bushwalked. I mean, I'm very um, blessed that I live very close to some of the most beautiful bushland in Australia and kangaroos and koalas and early morning walks. And, and I went on my own because I needed that time to mentally digest what was going on with me and, and potentially what life was going to look like for me now. And it's a grief. You've got to grieve it. You've got to face the grief, the fear and the anxiety head on. Uh, you're going to fail in some aspects. And I talk about that in my program, in the Food Mind Body Program, uh, Mind Food Body Program, uh, about that failure aspect. And we all will do it at some point with something. Uh, for me, I recognised that day when I was just trying to eat plain chicken soup. Uh, I don't even think it had noodles in it and it, it, it resonated with me at that point how difficult and how many steps forward and how many steps backward this process takes. Going back to Brittany Krekela, Krekela I'm sorry Brittany if you're listening to this, I I'm not sure how to pronounce your surname. Um, she also said in this podcast that uh, Teresa Richards hosts, Richard hosts, that some of the best ways to improve your swallow is to actually practice swallowing. Now that was something that was mentioned to me and I didn't believe it. <laughs> I, I was so overwhelmed with everything else that was going on. It didn't actually occur to me that what my speech language pathologist was telling me was, oh actually maybe I just better practice swallowing. And I don't know if it was the medication I was on or it was denial or I don't really know what it was, but practising swallowing is hugely important to this whole process and it's something that I didn't place a great deal of importance on. I knew it was there in the back of my mind. So I would preface that by saying that and um, that particular podcast, and I'm sorry, Teresa, I don't know what number it was, uh, but go and look for it because it's a really great episode. Um, it's called The Swallow Your Pride podcast, hosted by Teresa Richard. Uh, the third thing that I want to talk about is breathing and meditation and stretching and how important that part of the recipe was for me. And as I mentioned, I've been practicing yoga, hot yoga, yin yoga, hatha yoga for many, many years because unfortunately by nature I'm, I'm an anxious person. I put myself under a lot of pressure. Um, I, I don't give up on things. I'm tenacious and I keep going, going, going until I burn out. And I've had to learn in this new life that I've been blessed to be, have been given I have to change my ways. So for me, having the skill that are provided by yoga and meditation and breathing helped me so much. I, I, I can't overemphasize that enough. 
particularly going through the mask stage and the radiation stage where I have read and heard that a lot of people really struggle with that whole treatment process. I didn't. I mean, I didn't find it, you know. This is a walk in the park. But I did find that I used to relax. I'd often go to sleep uh, and I was able to manage that process super easy, super easy, super easy. And I also noticed with my cancer chemo treatment the same application to mindfulness, calming, breathing. <clears throat> I got through that okay too. And I, I really do put that down to the fact that I was trained in the practice of yoga and what all that means around stretching, <clears throat> excuse me, my shoulders, my neck. And this is just external stretching as much as internal radiation fibroids etc and and to this day I stretch every day and that's front of chest back of chest shoulders hands hips spinal cord head um, and even at one point I was researching uh, stretching for the mouth the tongue and there are certain stretches you can do for that now I don't think there's any scientific evidence that says any of that works all I know is it worked for me and it continues to work for me. I know that if I don't stretch for a day or two, I start to become um, very tight, very um, just wound up and not able to swallow food. So I think that that's really important that you look at stretching, meditation and breathing. And there's a plethora of podcasts and YouTube videos to help you through that. On my YouTube channel, I have a woman that I've found who just does a quick 15-minute head and neck stretching class, and I love it. And it's I think I've left it public on my YouTube channel if you want to go and have a look at that. And I do that one when it gets really tight for me. Um so look, in conclusion, I, I just bring it back. It's not about the cookbook. It's about the recipe. And you must always read the recipe through to the bottom, to the end, before you start cooking that dish because uh, as we are trained as chefs, you need to understand exactly what's in that dish. Do you have everything available to make that dish as successful as it can be? And... As I say, that really resonated with me, that comment, because, um, you know, the No Feeding Tube show and the Food Manifesto and my book, Easy Follow, Easy Swallow, which is available on Amazon if you would like to get a copy of that, that's all about the ingredients that you need to have a successful dish at the end. It, it really is why I started this whole process to help other head and neck cancer treatment patients live their best food life. Uh, and, you know, and who am I? I? I'm nobody, but I'm just a person that happened to have a set of... I have a specific set of skills. <laughs> um, sorry, that's my sense of humour. And I wanted to use that specific set of skills to help other people 
get to where I am now, which is eating my best food life. Uh, and I have a life, you know, that, that's the other big part of it. So trismus and dry mouth, depression, anxiety, fear and failure, breathing, meditation and the importance of stretching. They're the ingredients that you need to make a successful food life dish after head and neck cancer treatment, in my opinion, and it worked for me. Just in closing, I want to talk about, and I touched on it earlier, about um, the trouble with social media and some of the Facebook groups, the head and neck cancer groups. And I'm not necessarily talking about the medical groups. I'm talking more about groups that have been set up that have literally thousands of people in them. And I read some of those questions and issues and topics and I have a bit of an issue with them in that uh, the groups, that is, they're very piecemeal. Depending on when you come into that group will depend on what you're being exposed to at that particular moment. And I know that the moderators try and do the best that they can, but stuff slips through there. And I think my issue with those groups are that they are very piecemeal. They're not showing people the whole picture. Uh, you know, someone might ask, what do I put in my tube? How do I put real food in my peg tube? Uh, how do I transition off my peg tube back to oral eating? What can I eat that's flavourful and is within um, the appropriate texture, thickness, consistency for my type of eating? You know, <clears throat> they're all very valid questions, but if they're asked in a process within a Facebook feed, you're not necessarily going to get the best helicopter view of how you could uh, format a process to help you achieve the best results there. You're going to get the opinion of a thousand people who may or may not have any kind of experience around food. Um, they've got their own lived experience, but unless they have some food experience, some research experience, and have done some of the ingredients that form the part of a successful dish to help you live your best food life, I think that can be problematic. So on that note, I'll sign off on today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it. Um, don't forget I've got Easy Follow, Easy Swallow available on Amazon should you wish to purchase that. And in that, I will sign off, eat well, and I'll see you on the next episode. Ciao.